0: Dear church family and guests and visitors in our midst, we welcome you to worship this evening. And our Lord calls us to worship from Psalm five verses seven and eight. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Please turn with me in the Scriptures to the Gospel of Matthew again, Matthew chapter 6. And we will read verses 9 through 13. And then after that, we will turn to Hebrews chapter 4 and read the last three verses of Hebrews 4. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then we'll turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So far the reading of God's faithful and beautiful word. Dear church family, this evening we come to the conclusion of our study of the Lord's Prayer and in the, in the last Lord's Day of the Heidelberg Catechism. And I'd like to read those last three questions together from Lord's Day 52. You can find it on page 87 in the the back of the Psalter. Lord's Day 52, question 127. Which is the sixth petition? Answer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment, and besides this, since our mortal enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, cease not to assault us, do thou therefore preserve and strengthen us by, thy, by the power of thy Holy Spirit, that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare, but constantly and strenuously may resist our foes till at last we obtain a complete victory. Question 128 And how dost thou conclude thy prayer? Answer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is, all these we ask of thee because thou, being our king and almighty, Art willing and able to give us all good. And all this we pray for, that thereby not we, but thy holy name, may be glorified forever. Question 129. And what doth the word amen signify? Amen signifies it shall truly and certainly be. For my prayer is more, more assuredly heard of God then I feel in my heart that I desire these things of him. Our text this evening will come from Matthew 9, verse 13. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. In so many ways, this last petition is a, is a most fitting end to the petitions that we have in, in the Lord's Prayer. As we have successively prayed the previous five petitions, we need to pray this last petition almost after every one. For how, how often are we not tempted to undo our prayers of the previous petitions? We're tempted to, to hallow my own name, to lift up my own name, my own person, my own glory, rather than the Lord's. Or we're tempted to seek our own kingdoms. Tempted to pursue my will to be done on earth. Tempted to live in an independent, self-sufficient life apart from God. Tempted to be unforgiving, bitter, resentful. And so, don't we need to pray? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But particularly in light of the previous petition that we heard explained last, last week, as we sought the Lord's, as, as we seek the Lord's forgiveness for our sins, forgive us our debts. Our Lord directs us now in this petition to help us to be kept from temptation to, and to seek his protection against future sin. How we need the Lord how we need him to help us to not be led into temptation. So we conclude our prayer, as our Lord instructed, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. In concluding the Lord's prayer with this petition, there is in the people of God a a realistic awareness of as they walk through the, the many trials and temptations that confront us, there, there's a realistic recognition of our weakness and of the, of the enemies that confront us. We don't walk through life naïve. But we come recognizing that we are de- in desperate need of help. And therefore we pray. But it's not a, a prayer of, Maybe it will help, but it's a prayer that is prayed in faith, and there ought to be confidence that the Lord will help, because he is the one who is powerful, he's strong, he's kind, he cares, and he hears. We have a glorious king who comes alongside his people, equips them to live out what we ask in this petition. And so this evening, as we consider the sixth petition, do not lead us into temptation. We're going to consider three thoughts. We're going to, in this petition, we are acknowledging our need. We're presenting our petition for help, and we're expressing our confidence in our King. Lead us not into temptation. In the past Lord's Days, as we've been walking through this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and even as we've been considering the introductory parts of the Beatitude, we've been confronted on numerous occasions in the last couple weeks, the last month, about this reality of the kingdom of heaven. We've heard from, in the Gospel of Matthew, many times already— the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This, this is a central theme to Matthew's gospel. It's a central theme to Christ's sermon here that we are considering that we're in right now in Matthew 5 through 7. Now, children, I want you to just step back a minute. And when we think of a kingdom, what, what comes to your mind well, maybe consider, just think back to the Old Testament kingdom of David in the Old Testament. Well, first of all, there's a king. We have King David. There's there's his subjects, those citizens who are under him that he cares for and has to look after. In his, David's case, it was the children of Israel. A nation under a king has to be ready for enemies. David had many enemies. The Philistines and the Amorites, and and you could the list could go on, but even people that were supposed to be loyal to him from within his own ranks rose up against him at times. We think of Ahithophel, his his counselor, his son. When we think of a king and his kingdom, we think of his defenses. He has an army. He had, David had his loyal and valiant soldiers who, who fought alongside him and for him. When we think of a kingdom, we think of, of and a king and his rule. There are rules. There are things that the king calls for and demands. There's, but there's also provision given. And so when Jesus here says, My kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's referring to his kingdom, where he rules. He is the king. He sits enthroned on high now as he entered glory once again. And he calls his followers, his loyal subjects, those who are people who have been redeemed by his grace and his, his, his blood that he shed on the cross for them. Jesus calls these, his loyal subjects, to be to be part of his army, to be engaged in spiritual warfare, in battle, for the kingdom of heaven has enemies. And in many ways, this sixth petition is a call to recognize the spiritual warfare that exists all around us. It cannot be overlooked. The battle is real, The enemy is fierce. The need for preparation and equipping is certain. The Apostle Paul talks about this also in Ephesians 6, verses 11 and following. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and Blood, but against the principalities and against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And Paul is here, he's, when he says that ye may be able, it's, it's plural. This is a corporate thing that the people of God, that the church of God must be doing together. We aren't lone rangers in this battle. To be well prepared for battle, though, means that the king and his soldiers are, are constantly on the lookout, assessing their own, their own defenses, their own preparation, but also be monitoring and, and having knowledge about the enemy and his ways and his tactics and his strength. They're constantly looking out for needs that need to be addressed, prepared for, fortified against. And these needs will be found in in two different areas. And it's important that we acknowledge them in our warfare, dear child of God. For failure to do so can lead to injury, can lead to harm, can lead to loss, death. We need to recognize and acknowledge, in the first place, our own weaknesses. Are we aware of them? But secondly, we need to know our enemies. So when we pray this petition from our hearts with knowledge, we are, in the first place, acknowledging that we are needy people, that we are a weak people. That without the Father's help, without Christ's sustaining power, without the Holy Spirit as our advocate, we will not and cannot stand in this spiritual struggle. We will fall. Do you see that in yourself? That you have no strength to, to live out this spiritual warfare on your own? That you cannot get up in the morning and take on this battle? You have no strength to flee your besetting sins, to fight against the temptations, for you would be so easily tripped up. So with the psalmist, we need to cry again and again, I am poor and needy. Lord, by my resolve is weak. I cannot do this alone. I need your help. We need help we need to see that we are weak people by nature to see the dangers that are threatening us on, on every side but we also need to to recognize and see the help that is available not just see our weakness but to recognize that in christ there is help to be found to to persist against this evil the the enemies that we face But we not only need to acknowledge that, that we are weak people, but we also need to acknowledge that we, the enemies that we do face, catechism mentions them as the, our mortal enemies. Kevin Young uses the phrase, they are our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, our own flesh. Their sole purpose is to deceive, to inflict harm, to destroy. And they're constantly on the move. They never sit back. They never relax. Peter refers to the devil as a, as a roaring lion. He says, be sober because your adversary, the devil, as a, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. There's no time to let down our guard. At times, his, at times, his attacks are, are not subtle. They're blatant, obvious, in your face. They're repulsive. But at other times, he, even though he's like a roaring lion, he comes around, presents himself, the scriptures say, as, as an angel of light, trying to deceive sole purpose of trying to trip up the people of God, sinners, to further enslave one to sin, to his demonic ways, to his unyielding ways. And for the people of God, he, he would, it would be nothing more that Satan would like with, to render you useless in your service of the king. But the world also attracts with their so-called allurements. The Apostle John says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. There's, these are not from the Father, but from the world. They're temptations that pursue the physical. Things that please the, the flesh, that satisfy our eyes and our minds, that stoke our pride. All this world is tempting, tempting us to lead to lead us from serving the Lord to serving myself. My friend, Satan's and the world's allurements, they don't satisfy. They're always crying out for more, more. these these allurements can so easily trip you and i up rendering rendering the people of god's witness as compromised you call yourself a christian but yet you're doing this or that living this way not just satan and the world but our own flesh don't we have to confess, people of God, that the natural bent of our hearts, even after grace, is to still satisfy ourselves, to give in to the lust of the flesh, to let our eyes wander, to, to allow so many other things to come in, to be number one in our lives. Even after grace, the battle of that wages of the old man of sin, so often raises its its ugly head. Friends, this enemy our enemies are strong. And they come in so many different directions, like a three pronged attack. It doesn't let up. There's no time to rest. Do you recognize this? Or have you let down your guard? Have you been lulled into a false sense of complacency? We can't let ourselves rest, for the enemy doesn't. Every day, you and I will experience temptations. Today, maybe maybe right now, in the middle of this message, the temptations are there. Maybe, maybe there's a temptation to, to ignore this message, to tune it out. Children, maybe you've been tempted today to hide something from your mom and dad. Or maybe you've been tempted to, to talk back to, to one of your parents. Or to say something mean to one of your siblings that wasn't uplifting and encouraging. Rather, it was tearing down maybe we've been tempted today as we've gathered, as the people of God, to, to gossip about someone. Or maybe, maybe you've been going through in a tremendous affliction, one spiritual, physical, whatever it might be. And maybe the temptation has been there to doubt the goodness of God. Maybe you've been praying so long for that wayward son or daughter and you've been tempted to think God doesn't hear me. Maybe this week as we go into a new week of school, work we'll be tempted to be to, to neglect some of the tasks that we're called to. Tempted to not do our devotions to spend time in prayer because there's so many other things grabbing for our time and our attention maybe we'll be tempted to to not take our vows to raise our children in the fear of the Lord with the seriousness that we are called to Maybe we'll be tempted to click on that website that we know we shouldn't. Maybe in our business dealings, tempted to compromise on foundational truth, just to, to have an edge on that, that large contract. Maybe in our, our relationships as husband and husbands and wives, tempted to say a hurtful word, or to give a cold shoulder. Friends, the, the the list of temptations that we could experience this week are long, and we need help. For we are weak, and the enemy is strong and diligent. And so in the words of Kevin Young. How earnest earnestly we ought to pray for the protection against our thoughts, the world's lies, the devil's stratagems. And so we need to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But what are we what are we praying? What are we asking when when we ask the Lord, when we lift up this petition? What does it mean to pray to the Lord, to not lead us into temptation? Well, this word temptation that we find in Matthew six thirteen and, and in many other places in the Scripture, in, in a general sense, it has, has the idea of a trial, a time of proving or testing of one sort or another. More, more specifically, it has this idea of of a trial or testing that is used to test one's fidelity, integrity, virtues. Will this person stand for what they say they will? Is she really who she says she is? in In a person's life, these temptations can come of one of two forms. There can be temptations that lead to sin, a temptation to sin, to do something that is against God's moral law that come from one of our three mortal enemies. We can think of we can think of, for example, of Joseph as, as he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. Or we can think of Jesus who was tempted by Satan to to, to sin. or we can think of Paul's warning in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9 where where the rich are being tempted to fall into te- or to fall where the rich fall into temptation because of their riches pursuing pursuing things because of the bounty that they have now as we go through scripture such temptations are never from the lord James 1.13 clearly tells us that. God never tempts with evil. So we're not praying that God would not lead us or carry us into such temptations because we know that God doesn't do this. He never tempts with evil. This word temptation can also, though, have the idea of trials or adversities from the Lord. Afflictions that are sent to test or to prove one's faith character, holiness. Children, you can think of Abram as he was tried, tested by the Lord, as he was called to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Or James, James in chapter 1, verse 2, says that the believers can count it all joy when they fall into divers or mixed temptations or various trials. For he says such trials work Patience. Now, we know that the Lord often leads his people into, uh, providentially leads them into times of testing or trial. And he does so to use to prove, to test our faith, but also to grow and strengthen our faith. Jesus himself was called to, to a life of suffering and willingly went this road as he, as he came to the earth to suffer and to die, he, to give his life over to death. And he calls his own followers to follow in this way of suffering. In Acts 9, verse 16, the Lord says to Ananias concerning Paul, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So given that we know that the Lord doesn't does not tempt us to sin, never does, never will. But he does at times test us and try us. What, what do we mean when we say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? But well, here the catechism is, is very helpful. We're praying that the Lord would, in the midst of temptations that come from our mortal enemies, preserve and strengthen us in the midst of the trials that we do face even ones that come from the lord that he would preserve and strengthen us by the power of the holy spirit that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare but constantly and strenuously re- may resist our foes till at last we obtain victory it is a prayer that we would be kept in the midst of the temptations that will come our way. We put, and as we, as we petition the Lord, we're, we're, we're really requesting of the Lord two related desires. And the first is to be preserved and strengthened. And the second is that, is concerning the outcome of our preservation and our strength, being strengthened. So first, our, we are praying that we would be preserved and strengthened. In recognition of our, of our need, we cry out for help. That the Lord would help us, keep us. To keep us from drifting. To be kept from succumbing to the temptations. Have you not been tempted to fall, friend? Have you not found yourself utterly helpless and succumbing and and find yourself succumbing to the subtility, the intensity of a temptation? You know that going alone doesn't work and we need help. We need preserving grace. We need strengthening grace, sustaining grace. We need help in preparing ourselves to face temptation. For the temptations will come. We think of Joseph, for example, as that temptation came, as, as Potiphar's wife said, lie with me. Joseph was prepared because immediately he said, let me not do this. He was resolved already to go and not, and not to face it, but to flee. So we need to help to prepare ourselves to be, to be resolved not to do sin. We need also help to equip ourselves to know when it's time to, to fight or time to flee. So we need to know our own strengths and our own weaknesses. We need to learn to assess where we, we have the ability to fight against or, or where we know our weaknesses, our besetting sins, and we know it's just best to get up and run. We, know when we, need, we need to know when we need to bring in other people to come alongside us, to help us. We need to, we need to know how to equip ourselves to make use of the armor that Paul gives, that describes for us in, in Ephesians chapter 6. Do we know how to wear it well? Or have we set it aside, as it were? set aside the helmet of our salvation or the breastplate of righteousness? Have we laid down the shield of faith or the sword of the Spirit? Or are we wielding these weapons? Are we Have we put them on, as Paul instructs us, put on the armor of God? And do we practice? Do we practice using them Soldiers don't just put it on and wait and sit around till the enemy comes, but they are diligently practiced. For those of you who have been in, in, the, in, in any type of service, you know the rigor that is involved in preparing for, for battle. Are, are we preparing? Do you know how to use the shield of faith? Are you practicing? Are you equipped to use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God? Are you studying it daily, diligently, equipping yourselves with verses to call to mind to fight this temptation or that one? Are we making use of the, the, the beautiful weapon of prayer? As Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. We also we also need to understand and know that our general, our general leads us in this fight. We're not alone. He, as the captain of our salvation, is fighting on our behalf, and he, as our great champion, calls us to come to him, for he has been where we are. As we read out of Hebrews chapter four, he. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are. But he never failed once. Tempted in all points and yet no sin. But not only tempted in all points like as we are, but he's been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Jesus understands and knows exactly what you're going through. He understands the pressures to conform, to give up. Jesus experienced these temptations to the nth degree, and he did not cave in. He never failed. We never experience the temptations to their full capacity, because either one of two things happens. Either either God in his mercy graciously removes the temptation, or grants his sustaining grace to, to bear up under it, or we collapse under it. And Jesus knows, having been tempted in all points like as we are, that we need him. And so he, he commands us, he calls us, he invites us to come to him, as he says at the end of Hebrews 4 and verse 16, to come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and to find grace to help in our time of need. Not maybe to find it, but that we may obtain mercy. There's certainty here, dear friend. You don't have to go it alone. We can come to Jesus Christ, the great high priest, and go forward with his mercy, his grace, his help. And not only do we have our captain of our salvation that goes before us, but we also have the Holy Spirit who's been poured out uh, by Christ on his people. Who indwells his people, who intercedes for them, who ministers to their spears that they are the children of God, who encourages them, who becomes their advocate. He uses his power to preserve the people of God and to strengthen them in the midst of intense temptations directing them to where that way of escape is equipping them and helping them to wield that sword of the of the spirit to to hold up the shield of faith to block those fiery darts of the devil to call to mind the promises of God suitable to to the situation that they are in but not only are we praying for grace sustaining grace and preserving grace and helping grace. But we're also telling the Lord and directing Him to what we desire the outcome to be. That we wouldn't be overcome. That we would be faithful in resisting the foe. That we would finally one day obtain a complete victory. Child of God, isn't it your desire that you would not be overcome. We desire to be faithful to our Lord because he has been faithful to us so often. And yet there's times where maybe like the psalmist in Psalm 13, how long shall mine enemy exalt over me, Lord? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. in mine eyes. Lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Lord, we pray that we would not be overcome. How long, Lord? But we also are praying that we would be found faithful in the fight against the enemies that face us. The Catechism says that we may constantly and strenuously resist our foes. As we pray this, we here are acknowledging our responsibility. We are called to fight. We are called to resist. We can't just passively sit back and wait for the Lord to deliver The Christian life is not a life of complacency, but it is a life of activity where we pray in faith and get to work, or better yet, we pray and work together. We are to be diligent in the callings that the Lord has called us to, and one of these callings, dear children of God, is to, is to fight against sin, to resist temptation strenuously, When we don't, we may become like David, who succumbed to temptation. David wasn't living following what he had been called to. He was called to it was the time of battle. He was called to be out fighting, and rather he was at home, and he succumbed to temptation. Friends, idleness is a fruitful ground for the devil to take hold, for the world to make inroads, for our own flesh to cultivate a spirit of complacency and dullness. So we are called to be busy in the things that God calls us to, diligent in our callings, in the ordinary course of daily life, Oh yes, this battle is not an easy battle. It's hard. It's arduous. And there there will be even temptations to give up. But this is where we need to keep the end in view. We need to have the eternal perspective. And so we pray for a complete victory. We're praying that... We're looking forward to that day where this prayer will no longer be needed, where we will never have to pray. Lead us not into temptation. For the battle, friend, there will be a point, there will come a time when this battle will be over, completely done. The enemies defeated, Satan bound, the world overcome. The flesh, the old man completely done away with. So you look forward to, to that day. Your failure's a thing of the past. And this will be a time there will be a time when the people of God will then take possession of their inheritance. There will be total freedom, total freedom from sin, darkness, and temptation. There will be a, a, an absolute freedom to know Christ, to, to revel in his beauty and his glory, to have in fullness what our young people hope to hear about tonight, knowing the, the joy of knowing Christ, And you, dear believer, we, we, we can pray this with confidence. This isn't something we have to, hopefully this will happen, but we can pray this with confidence. Knowing that our Lord will do as he has promised, that he hears the needy when they cry, and he does deliver from the evil. But we we'll hope to consider that after we, we sing as we come to the, the throne of grace in the Lord's Prayer, we, in this sixth petition, we've, we've already mentioned that we acknowledge our weakness. We layer out our desires for the Lord's help in resisting, fighting, temptation, but also the desired outcome. But we can pray with confidence. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. We can come with confidence to the throne of grace, even with this petition, because we come to a throne where the king sits, the head of the church reigns. And so we can pray in faith, believing. And Jesus instructs us, even in the the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, as He teaches us to conclude our prayers with, with confidence. For for Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We can ask all this because of who He is, because of the King that sits on the throne. For Thine Referring to our Lord Jesus Christ, our God, the King, the Almighty King, the King of His people, and dear children of God, your King. And who is this King? How would you describe Him? The first thing I want to mention, He's a good King. He's a King that cares for His subjects loves them will do everything for our good and his glory jesus describes this care of the king for his people later in chapter later on in the, in the same chapter in matthew 6 behold the fowls of the air for they sow not neither do they reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feeds them are ye not much better than they? Our Heavenly Father cares for His people. Paul also highlights this for us in Romans 8, that he cares for and it is a kind and merciful and gracious God who does all things well for His people. In Romans 8, he, Paul draws our attention to this beautiful promise. And we know that all things work together for for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. For whom He did for know, He also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of His Son, that that we might be the firstborn among many brethren." Our God, our King, is a good King. And He grants us the necessary gifts, resources, to be able to to pick up the battle with His strength, to fight against the enemies, to equip ourselves, to be prepared, to be resolved. No, not in our own strength, but through His strength. But second. He's not only a kind and caring king, but he's a, he's a willing and able king. He has all the resources at his disposal to help weak, weary, tired people in their fight against Satan, the world, and flesh. So we can come with confidence, knowing that he has the resources and is willingly pouring them out for the benefit of his people. Didn't Jesus instruct us in this regard in Matthew chapter 7? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? He delights to give good things to his people. But He wants you to come and ask for them as well. So come to His throne of grace, lay out your petitions, pour out what you need in your battle against the the temptations that you face. Come with confidence and pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But He's not only a caring king a willing and able king but he is a king that has his ears open to hear the cries of his people he hears he hears and knows all about who you are what you're going through think of that beautiful description at the end of exodus 2 where it talks about how the cries of the people of Israel came up to them, and the Lord heard them and remembered his covenant with them. And then we read what follows in the following chapters, how the Lord acted to care for and come alongside his covenant people to deliver them from Egypt. He hears. And we acknowledge this when we pray amen at the end of our prayers. As we conclude with an amen, we are acknowledging that our God hears us. Children, amen isn't just a word that signifies the end of or signals the end of a prayer, but it is really a confession of faith. It's a, it's really a confession that the Lord has heard my prayer and will answer it in so often in ways far above what we could even ask or think. So that he gets all the honor and the glory. Even he hears, even though we don't even really feel like it in our own hearts and lies, he hears and answers Do you come with boldness to this king? to this caring king, to this willing and able king, to this king who hears the the needy when they cry. If you haven't come to him, invite you, call on you, to come to him to find first and foremost salvation for your souls, but to find help in your time of need. He's a worthy king to be served to be praised, to be loved, to be lived for. So as we conclude as we conclude this sermon on the what it means to pray this this sixth petition, I want to read a a poem, a, a, a hymn that really summarizes that captures everything that we've said so far. One that will be familiar to many of you. Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you, some other to win. Fight valiantly onward, evil passions subdue. Look ever to Jesus, he will carry you through. Shun evil companions, bad language disdain, God's name hold in reverence. Nor take it in vain. Be thoughtful and earnest. Kind-hearted and true. Look ever to Jesus. He will carry you through. To him that o'ercomes, God gives a crown. Through faith we will conquer, though, though often cast down. He who is our Savior, our strength will renew. Look ever to Jesus. He will carry you through. Ask the Savior to help you, comfort and strengthen and keep you. He is willing to aid you. He will carry you through. Amen. Lord, we pray, lead us not in temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. O Father, we need help. We need the the help of our Lord Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation, to go before us. Lord, to teach us and equip us and mold us to be like, like him, we need the Holy Spirit, our, our comforter, our advocate to minister with our spirits that we are the children of God but also to, to help us in the midst of the fight. Oh, we need Thee, King, our King. We're thankful that Thou art caring, able and willing and a God who hears the needy when they cry. We pray this all in Jesus' beautiful, strong, and powerful name. Amen.